entering a new year. <clears throat> the children of Israel here are entering a new phase in life. And, you know, really, when you really boil it all down, you know, we're just starting a new other day next year. <laughs> but every year brings its challenges, its blessings, and uh, there will be things that we'll have to face that we haven't faced before. But the way to face those things doesn't change, and we just need to be reminded of it. Joshua chapter 1. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto the Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, my, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous. Thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now put yourself in the situation that Joshua is in. When the children of Israel tried to enter the promised land 40 years ago, they somehow failed. They didn't make it. Of course, they turned back because of unbelief. And as a result of that unbelief, everyone over 40 died. All the men of war died in the wilderness, except Joshua and Caleb. So they failed. Failures happen. And think also of the fact that Moses, called the man of God, was not able to take the children of Israel into the land. Not necessarily any of a fault of his own, but the people wouldn't follow him. And now Joshua is told to do what Moses was not able to do because of the circumstances Moses was in. Joshua was told what he was not able to do. And, you know, sometimes we look at Old Testament characters or Bible characters and we say, well, they're just superhuman. No, they're just, they're just human beings. It's, it's interesting to me that jo the Lord tells Joshua twice in nine verses to be strong and very courageous. 
Don't be afraid. You know what I think? I think Josh is just trembling a little bit. I mean, Moses failed. He couldn't do what they had planned on doing. He couldn't complete the task. And now Joshua is asked to take the leadership of a nation of a bunch of rebels, rebellious people and take them in. Uh, and so he's facing, you know, he has been Moses' minister. He's the one that waited on Moses. And now he's facing this daunting task of taking them in. Uh, you know, as we think about the new year ahead of us, <clears throat> you know, the this year has been a, a year of blessing, a year of trials, but there will be new trials in the new year. There will be new, new mountains to face, new obstacles to overcome. And if we're going to continue to overcome and be victorious, I want to notice three things that need to take place from this, this chapter. First of all, there has to be an acquiring faith. And acquiring, and that's the idea here is of, of of gaining something ongoing. In verse eight, it says, "This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Joshua, you're going to you're going to need to grow in your faith. You know, we ought to be continually pursuing faith. Trying to increase our faith. Trusting God more than we did before. That's what it's going to take. That's the way life is. You know, life is a continual learning process. You start kindergarten. No, you start at zero. At one, you know, and you begin to train and learn. And you, you, you learn to walk, you learn to talk, you learn to uh, be potty trained, you learn, you know, you learn and you, you're continually growing and accomplishing and gaining new uh, perspective and, 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 and accomplishing new things, and it never ends. And it's the same in our walk with the Lord. Yeah, and we're not we're not born with faith. We're not born with it. It's learned. Romans ten seventeen says, "Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God." Now, now think about that. I was I was doing some reading here yesterday and today about this, and 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 think about that in in context there, and and in put it in biblical time frame. Faith cometh by hearing. When was the printing press, first printing press invented? Anybody know? Huh? I heard somebody say something. 14, okay. Gutenberg's was 1440. Somebody's shaking their head no. Huh? Yes, that is true. That is true. All right, 12, according to history, 1234 was the first printing press in East Asia. 
Gutenberg's, which really started the printing uh, process, which, which uh, was much faster than this other one, but Gutenberg was 1440. Now think about it, until that time, how many people had a Bible? Most of the New Testament was letters sent to churches, and the letters were read in the churches. Paul makes reference to that at one point. See that you read the letter from you know this church, and I don't remember that it is, but it's it's somewhere in the New Testament. Uh, you know they were letters that were written to churches, and then they 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 sent those letters around, and they were read and reread and studied. So the average person did not have a Bible for years. So faith cometh by hearing. So, you know, think about the importance. Uh, faith, we see here that faith grows by our obedience to assemble together. And God desires, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, Paul made reference to the church at Thessalonica when he said, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is meet, the word meat means fit or proper, because that your faith groweth exceedingly, and the charity of every one of you all toward each other aboundeth. So God wants us to increase, to be acquiring greater faith. Greater faith. You see, the Christian life is a life of faith. It's a walk with the word of God, which gives us strength in the trials of life. It's a rock in a chaotic world. It's bread to the hungry soul, water to the thirsty. It's your comfort when you're afflicted. It'd be your peace on the stormy seas of life. Its promises will sustain you when nothing else will. And so we need to be increasing in our faith. And it needs to be a daily thing. Yesterday's won't do for today. Now yesterday's can help you with today's. If you pass yesterday's, it will give you greater uh, strength for today. But we must continue to build. You know, the Red Sea crossing wasn't sufficient to cross Jordan. I thought about that a little bit. You know, the Red Sea crossing was a great miracle. But it was a still body of water. Now they've got to cross a moving one. To me, that takes a little more faith. Across a river that's overflowing its banks. And so we need to be continually increasing on our faith, acquiring new faith. There needs to be also the appropriation of faith. That simply means putting it into practice or acting on it. Notice again verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So we have to put our faith into action. In other words, we need to act on the word of God. And if you notice in verses 2 and 3, the Lord said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise. Here's his action. You go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give them. You know, and the Lord's talking like it's already a done deal. It's not. It's not done. 
But that's what faith is. Taking God at his word as if it's already done. So go over this Jordan, down all those people unto the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel, and every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you as I said unto Moses. You see, we need to put our faith into action. Faith without works is dead. Hebrews 11 is a, a list of men and women who put their faith into actions. You know, it's commonly called the Faith Hall of Fame. We could, we could call it, rightly so, the Works Hall of Fame. By faith, they, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Abraham went out, not knowing whether he went. By faith, no prepared an ark, saving himself. So, so by faith, they acted and they did something. They did what God commanded of them to do. You know, or Naaman was told to go wash in the Jordan River, dip in the Jordan River seven times, and by faith, he did it. He was putting into action what he heard commanded him by the prophet Elijah. And so we need to put it in action. Now notice, I want you to notice something here. Notice uh, this in, in the book of Joshua. Go to chapter 3, verse 12. You know, God says, I'm, you're, you're going to cross Jordan. So he, he instructs them. Uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Now therefore take you 12 men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every, man, every tribe of man. It shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, that the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass, when the people moved from their tents to pass over Jordan, and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people, and as they that bear the ark were coming to Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, for Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. So, so here's the appropriation or putting into action what the Lord has told them. They pick up the ark, the priests. The priests were to go first, along with these 12 men, which were chosen to pick out a stone out of the middle of the river and then make a memorial on the other side. And the priests are to put their feet into the river. And when they do so, the waters will be cut off. That's putting your faith into action. Now, the water hasn't stopped yet. But they believed it would. They believed it would. <clears throat> Go to chapter 6. Chapter 6. Verse 12. Here he's conquering Jericho. Jericho's all shut up. It's a walled city. There's no way to conquer it. It's impossible. Archaeologists say there were actually, we believe, two walls at Jericho, one inside the other. One of them wide enough you could run three chariots side by side on the top. As high as maybe 30 feet high. So it's an impregnable fortress, and the Lord tells them how to conquer this city, you know, the march around it. In verses 12 to 15 again it says, 
So they had been instructed what to do. And Joshua rose, verse 12, early in the morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. And seven priests bearing seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord went on continually and blew with the trumpets. And the armed men went before them, but the rearward came after the ark of the Lord, the priests going on and blowing with the trumpets. And the second day they compassed the city once and returned into the camp. So they did six days. And it came to pass in the seventh day that they rose early about the dawning of the day and compassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. So here again, they're, they're, they're being obedient. They're putting their faith into action, doing what God says. Although it, you know, can you imagine the, Jer- the people of Jericho watching the children of Israel do this act for six days? Wondering. What in the world are they up to? This really seems kind of stupid. There are a lot of things the Lord may ask of you that may go against your human nature. Not may, they will. They may seem foolish to you. I mean... world would say you give 10% and then a faith promise too that's an act of faith because God said if you bring your tithe into a storehouse he'll pour you out a blessing again it's an act of faith so there has to be an appropriation of faith your faith will make a way you know, there's a little song we sing. Faith will make a way through the wilderness. All you have to do is follow. It'll provide when it seems there is no means. It'll give us confidence in the faith, faith, a face of death. It'll accomplish what seems impossible. Victory when defeat looks inevitable. But we have to just act. Not knowing how it's going to come out. The children of Israel didn't know exactly how the water was going to be cut off. They didn't know exactly how the walls were going to come down. They just simply obeyed what the Lord said to do. So there has to be a, not only an acquiring faith, but there needs to be appropriation of that faith. And then thirdly, you have the appearance of faith. And this is simply faith becomes sight or reality. Notice again verses verses 2 and 3 of chapter 1. Moses, the Lord says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan. Thou and all this people under the land which I do give them, even to the children of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. So, so again, the Lord's instructing Joshua, like as if, and he's saying, you're to go over this Jordan and all this people. Now remember, there's maybe as many as two, three million of them. And they're going to cross the river. And we don't know exactly how many there were. At one place, there's a a number given of 600,000 footmen or soldiers. So from that figure, many people figure there's two to three million altogether across the Jordan River. 
How long would that take? I looked at, Googled that, get different answers. Of course, we're talking about a miracle of God, not you know something ordinary. But anywhere, some say maybe a uh, uh, day and a half, three days, a week. Nevertheless, it was a great feat. But we have here, what we have is faith becoming sight. How did it happen? Well, look at chapter 3 again. <clears throat> and so they appropriated a faith, verses 12 through 15. They did what the Lord said. And then in verse 16 of chapter 3 it says that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up and heat very far from the city Adam that is beside Zeratan. And those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed right over against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Uh, I, I found this online, and I'm not sure who wrote this, but anyway, it says the water stood up, rose upon a heap. Where was this heaping of waters? Well, it says the city Adam and Zaratan. Uh, Adam is modern Eldamia, I guess is the way you say it, 20 miles up from Jericho. And Zaratan is on the opposite, on the eastern bank of the river. At this point, the Jordan traverses the narrowest part of its valley. It flows between clay banks ranging from 40 to 150 feet high. Clay is soft and landslides into the river occasionally occur. A heavy landslide can dam the river completely and interrupt its flow until the weight of the mounting waters is sufficient to wash away the obstruction, permit the river to resume its normal course. Such a thing has happened three times at least in recorded history. On the 8th of December 1262, the west bank of El Damia collapsed and dammed the river so that no water flowed down the channel for 16 hours. This record sets on the authority of Arab historian it meant that the bed of the Jordan from uh, Eldamia to the Dead Sea was dry for all that time, and anyone could cross on foot. In the year 1906, the same thing happened in consequence of an earthquake. Again in 1927, according to Professor Garstang, the celebrated earthquake which shook all Israel and cracked the Mount of Olives caused the West Bank at Eldamia to collapse. On this occasion, the, water, the flow of water was interrupted for no less than 21 hours, and a number of people did actually cross and recross the riverbed on foot. Now I don't know how the Lord did it. But the waters are cut off. You know, the Lord can do as he wills. But here you have, again, you have faith becoming a reality. Because they acted. Now, think about it. This could have happened 40 years earlier. It could have. It could have happened 40 years earlier. The parents, the parents of those that weren't in didn't get to see this because they would not appropriate 
the word of God. Well, go to, go to chapter 6, verse 16. <clears throat> to me, and, and to me, as you progress through the book of Joshua, the, it requires greater faith. Here we, we are, here we have, you know, Jordan was one day. Okay? One day. The priests put their, their feet in, the waters are cut off, and they cross the Jordan River. Okay? They've got to march around Jericho seven days. In other words, this is going to require some endurance of your faith. You're going to have to look silly for seven days. You know, the world thinks we're foolish. Will your faith endure the foolishness of the world or, or as they see it as foolishness? Chapter 6, verse 16. It says, And it came to pass at the seventh time. So they marched around it once a day for six days. On the seventh day, they marched around it seven times. Again, it requires some endurance. It came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets. Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city, and the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein. To the Lord only, Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent in. And verse 20, so the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the noise sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. So again, because they acted on what the Lord told them, they put it into practice, their faith becomes sight. It becomes a reality in their life. Again, this is something that the parents of these children missed. Remember what the parents said? Our children will be prey. Parents, did you ever have somebody in the world say, you're ruining your kids. You're harming your kids by taking them to that church. They're going to turn against you because you're too conservative. No, they don't use that word conservative. They use too strict. Or they may say pharisaical or legalistic. You know, I usually bite my tongue because what I want to say is, well, you've already lost yours. But the world will say that. And that's what the parents said. Our children will be prey for those giants. And the children, God took in. Because the children believed what he said. That's the simple difference. You know, it really isn't that complicated. It's really quite simple. We just take God at his word. We allow him to, or we 
increase our faith and our trust in Him. It's all a choice. You know, God wants us. God wants us to increase in faith, and He wants to be able to bring faith to sight, to make it a reality in our life. But you know what that takes? It requires being willing. There's risks involved with that. There's risks involved. You have to conquer your doubts. You say, preacher, have you ever doubted? Oh, yeah, many times. Many times. More often than I like to admit. But we've seen God do some great things. Because we took great You see, we are like, we are compared to a husbandry or a building. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians 3 verse 9 says, we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. Now, a husbandry is like a farm or a cultivated field. And, and we're, we're to, if we're saying we're God's husbandry or we're God's cultivated field, we have to allow him to cultivate it, to produce fruit from it. You know, every farmer wants as much fruit from his labor as possible. Uh, and, and he compares us to a building. And, and let's read on here. It says, according to the grace given unto, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For the foundation can no man lay, which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. So it's, we're, we're like a a cultivated field that, that we have to allow the Lord to cultivate and to bring forth fruit from. And we do that by, by appropriating our faith, putting it into practice, and seeing it come to pass. But we're like a building that we allow him to continually work on and improve. Now, when we build a building, we don't pour the foundation and quit. foundation speaks of our salvation. You know, a lot of people have this idea that once they get saved, they're done. That's not the Christian life. That's just the beginning. It's like starting a building and laying a foundation and quitting. How's, how would somebody look at that? I'd say, I'd never hire you again. No, we're to continue to allow the Lord to build. We're to build thereon. Build thereon. You build walls, siding, roof. Then the drywall comes. Then the doors are put in. The trim's put on. And you know, 
the more you build on it, the better it what? Looks. The better it looks. You put soffit, siding on the outside, or paint, or stone, or brick, or whatever it is. You want to you wanna make this building look better and better and better until it's complete. Hey, when will your building be complete? When you pass from this life. So we're to continually be adding or building our building. Now, you know, in context, you, he's talking here to the church at Corinth, but it applies to the individual as well. As we build our lives, we're building this church. You know, we want to continually to grow and beautify our building. We were teasing the lady folks at Christmas. They're opening some gifts, and they we say, "Oh, some more accessories, you know, necklaces," and you know, and, and we guys kind of laugh about that because we don't put those accessories on. I guess we just look nice the way we are. <laughs> just kidding. Anyway, uh, but no, we need to be continually improving. And I'm not talking about the physical; I'm talking about the spiritual. Romans 12 tells us to be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, again, as Joshua was giving this task to do, you know, again, crossing Jordan was one day, bringing the wall of Jericho down took seven days. There's an increasing is God increasing your faith? You know, if you're going to continue to overcome the trials that the Lord sends your way, to continue to have the blessing that God wants for your life, you have to grow in your faith. You're going to have to acquire new faith. The faith that gives you strength for this year help you, but you're going to have to add to that for next year. And again, we call that growth. So might the Lord help us as we face a new year to continue to grow in our grace and knowledge of Him, to increase in faith that our lives may be pleasing and glorifying to Him, that, we, that faith may become sight, a reality in our life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time in your word tonight. Thank you for the challenge that it gives to us. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to increase in faith. Help us to spend the time that we need in your word to give attention to the preaching and teaching of your word. To see the importance of assembling together. May we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. That we might see faith become a reality in everyday life for your honor, for your glory, and for our good. We do pray in Jesus' name.